Good evening. I hope you're all doing well. We are in the fourth and final part of our study on abuse, and we have spent the last several weeks looking over abuse and its various forms, whether that be uh, emotional, verbal, or physical abuse, and how we can fight against it. Um, now, tonight, we're going to wrap up our study by looking at how we can heal from uh, the abuse uh, that we've experienced or help those who have endured uh, abuse and how they can heal from it as well. Uh, now, while we're only going to be spending 20 to 30 minutes discussing this, uh, we need to recognize uh, that this type of healing will not be a short-term process. Uh, in fact, depending on the type of abuse and the degree to which the person has encountered abuse, it may take uh, years to even begin to see any kind of significant uh, healing uh, from what they've experienced. Now, I don't say this to discourage anyone or to be pessimistic, but I just want to remind everyone to be realistic and to celebrate uh, the small victories that come along the way. Now, for some, um, it will be a big step this, just to simply talk with someone else um, who, uh, about the abuse that they've experienced. But remember, every small step along the way toward healing uh, needs to be celebrated for the milestone that it, it is. Um, now, before we get into the heart of our discussion for tonight, let me just preface everything that I'm about to say uh, with an encouragement for anyone uh, who has suffered any kind of significant or prolonged abuse to please get some biblical counseling. Now, I know that some feel that there is a stigma uh, that's attached to the idea of needing counseling, but as someone who has been trained in and, and has counseled uh, many uh, different people in these uh, kinds of situations, uh, there is um, nothing to be shameful about or to feel bad about in seeking counseling. Just because um, it's um, just because you have endured abuse does not mean that you need to feel guilty or bad to seek healing from that abuse. It's not shameful. Uh, for anyone to see an eye doctor when they're having vision problems. Uh, and so in the same way, you don't need to be uh, made to feel shameful because you are suffering some kind of emotional, spiritual, or relational uh, problems uh, that you need to seek a counselor to help you through those things as well. And so I really just strongly recommend if you've encountered anything like this and you need help in that type of healing, please uh, feel free uh, to, to find a counselor, to help, uh, to find someone who can help you find a counselor, uh, to move past and begin healing uh, from these types of experiences. Now, the first thing that we need to mention uh, as we think about healing from these type of things is the importance of surrendering to God. Now, while there are many different forms of counseling and recovery and resources to help and healing uh, uh, from abuse, um, it, it needs to be said that any true lasting healing is only going to come about through the victim of abuse surrendering their life and their abuse uh, to God. Now, for some, this is a seemingly impossible thing to do um, because I've spoken with people who just feel really angry uh, that God would ever allow them to endure such horrible treatment uh, from someone else. Now, this can be even more pronounced if the abuser was an alleged Christian and perhaps perhaps couched their abuse 
in religious ways. I've seen this um, with husbands who uh, tear down their wives uh, verbally and emotionally and then justify it with verses about wives submitting to their husbands or wives being uh, the weaker vessels uh, in relationships. This is just a horrible thing to see happen, and it takes sometimes uh, many years to uh, not only get over the abuse, but also begin opening their hearts back open uh, to God because of such abuse. When abuse like this happens and it's perpetrated in God's name, it's truly a disgusting thing, and it can have effects that can be devastating um, for the person who encounters this. And so to those who have suffered this kind of abuse um, and struggle to embrace God um, because you believe that God either condones this kind of behavior or even worse, commands this kind of abuse, let me just speak to you for just a few moments and hopefully share some thoughts and some insights that may help you open your heart back open to God. Now, while there are no words that I can share uh, or answers that I can give that will take away this hurt or this pain that you may be feeling, I believe that God wants you to know that he is both heartbroken and angered by the sin that's been done against you. He takes no pleasure whatsoever when his children suffer. Now, as for why God allows abuse like this to happen, um, God allows us all to have free will, free choice, make up our own decisions and live with the consequences for better or for worse. Now, unfortunately, that means that there are some people who will use this free will, which is a good thing, to do evil things to others, even though it breaks the heart of God. Now, that doesn't take away the pain that many people feel, but I hope that it does help us to understand that abuse hurts God as well as those who are abused. Now, as a parent, I hate when my kids hurt one another, with, uh, whether it be with their words or with their actions. Uh, my heart breaks for uh, my child who gets mistreated, and, and I'm angered and heartbroken over um, having to discipline maybe one of my other children uh, for mistreating their brother or their sister. And I believe that's kind of an illustration, but a good example of how God feels when he sees us, his own children, who hurt and abuse one another and sometimes do it as though uh, it's God's will. I believe that angers and 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 um, and really hurts and saddens the heart of God. Now we need to understand that God does not um, God does not condone that, and and God does not want those things to happen. Sometimes God does step in to intervene, but God doesn't always do that. And, and here's at least the the um, the thought that I kind of go back to in times like this. Again, it's hard to bring comfort. Uh, when people are, are hurting in this way, but just keep this in mind. For God to honor our free will, he cannot intervene every single time. Otherwise, we would just be robots. We would not be able to truly have free will if God stopped every sinful act. And so I understand that the abuse that you are, uh, have suffered or maybe someone that uh, you know has suffered is just horrendous. And I'm sure if I were to hear your story, my heart would break with you. But I want you to understand that God's heart breaks as well, and he is angered by that sin. Um, now, as we talk about healing from abuse and beginning to surrender uh, to God, we need to understand that that begins with accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. 
Now, what I mean by that is that you accept Jesus as your Savior. That means that you recognize and accept him as the only way for you to be saved from your sin and to live with God for all eternity. Now, there's no amount of good works that you will ever, ever be able to do to earn that relationship. And there's nowhere else that you'll find salvation other than in Jesus Christ. That's what it means to acknowledge acknowledge Jesus as your Savior. Now, to acknowledge him as Lord means a little bit differently, and it's important for us to understand this. Jesus as Lord means that you follow him in his lead and his commandments no matter what. Now, this is going to be important in your healing process from abuse, as we're going to see in just a few moments. But I, I don't want you to miss this really important point. There are so many people who are okay with Jesus being their Savior. They're okay with uh, accepting Jesus' uh, forgiveness of their sins and things like that. They make every excuse in the world as to why Jesus uh, doesn't need to be the Lord over their life. Let, listen, you can't have Jesus as Savior and not Jesus as Lord. Okay? It doesn't work that way. Now, I know, again, there are lots of people in the world today who try to make those distinctions, but Jesus needs to be both Savior and Lord. Not only does he save you from your sin, but he also guides, leads, and directs you in your life. Being a Christian means that you live in both of these truths. Now, the reason I'm making such a big deal about this is because of two reasons. One, true healing comes by being in a relationship with Jesus Christ, as we've already said. All other attempts to heal and recover from abuse are at best temporary and limited. For true healing in your life, you need to be united with Christ. Right? He's the one who truly brings everlasting healing uh, to the hurts and wounds that we suffer in this life. Now, the other reason that I believe our union with Christ is important and, and the healing from our abuse is because without it, uh, without experiencing the forgiveness and grace of Christ, it will be impossible for us to move past that abuse that we've suffered. Okay, Depending on the depth and the duration of your abuse, it will only be through Christ that you will be able to surrender that abuse that you've suffered and the abuser into the hands of God. So often when we've enc encountered difficult times and injustices that have been done to us, we want to play judge, jury, and executioner. Those are not the roles and, and the responsibilities that God has entrusted to us. He wants us to turn those things over to him, and he will judge those people. He will right every wrong and heal every abuse. And so that's why it's so important at the outset of your healing process, or if you're talking with someone who's encountered abuse, for you to encourage them to make sure that they are united with Christ Jesus. Now, there are countless individuals who find themselves trapped in the prison of bitterness and anger and brokenness because they've refused to let go of the hurt that they've endured. Okay, And it's understandable. I mean, you know, when I hear these stories, it, it, I, I, I want to sympathize with uh, people holding on to those grievances, but that is the worst thing that we can encourage people to do. These wounds fester over time, they begin to poison every area and every relationship in their life. The only solution is to remove that poison by allowing God to begin healing. Much like a doctor when he sees that someone has a cut and it's gotten infected, instead of overlooking that and allowing that wound to continue to grow and, and to infect the rest of the body, it needs to be quickly addressed, it needs to be cleansed, that poison needs to be taken out so that true healing can begin. And in the same way, that's what happens when we've suffered injuries throughout this life, through abuse, 
and emotional, uh, relational uh, traumas like that. Now, this brings us to the issue of forgiveness. Now, uh, at, this, uh, at this time uh, in, in your healing process, this is an important part, but it's also an incredibly, incredibly difficult part. I've uh, never suffered abuse um, like what we've talked about throughout the series, um, but um, you know, I'm not going to pretend that I know how excruciating this step of forgiveness can be, but I've seen so many people who have encountered abuse like this, who have um, grown to embrace uh, forgiveness, and I've seen what that kind of healing can do to people. So that's why I believe that this is a crucial step uh, in your healing process. Now, I believe it's important for us to take just a few moments and clear up uh, some, uh, clear up the concept of forgiveness uh, from a lot of the misconceptions that have surrounded it over uh, the years. As we uh, dispel some of these lies about forgiveness, um, it won't make embracing forgiveness easier, but hopefully it will take a, um, a little bit of the, um, the threat that forgiveness poses to a lot of people. A lot of people feel like if I forgive, then I'm going to let that person get away with the injustices they've done to me, um, and that is not the case at all. So let's kind of examine this idea of forgiveness a little bit and see what forgiveness truly is supposed to be. Now, the first thing that we need to understand is that forgiving someone does not mean that you have to forget uh, how they have hurt you. You've probably heard the phrase, much like I have, uh, forgive and forget. Now, there is a grain of truth behind that phrase, but often people misunderstand it. And so the phrase often does more harm than it does good. So I want us to kind of look through this and understand what this phrase is supposed to mean and the truth it actually is supposed to uh, communicate. Forgiving someone does not mean that you need to forget that uh, they, the injustice that um, has happened to you as if it never happened at all. You don't need to develop some kind of acute amnesia around the pain that you've suffered in order to forgive somebody else. I've often heard uh, Christians trying to justify this concept of forgiving and forgetting uh, with how God kind of forgives us. Uh, they would uh, quote verses of scripture talking about how uh, God casts our sin as far as the east is from the west, and that he uh, puts it into a sea of no remembrance. And while all that sounds good and all that those, um, those concepts are in the Bible, uh, we need to um, take a closer examination of it. And if we just examine it just slightly, we'll see that that is not exactly uh, what scripture is actually communicating. In fact, it's quite uh, different from the forgiveness that God teaches about in his word. So let me just uh, ask this simple illustration of you, and you tell me whether or not uh, you think this is the kind of forgiveness that God does. Now, most of y'all are familiar familiar with uh, King David and his sin with Bathsheba. You know, King David, who was already married, uh, his troops are off at war, uh, and he, as he's walking out on the balcony, he looks down and he sees this beautiful woman, Bathsheba, who is bathing uh, there, and he immediately uh, is lusting after her, and he tells his servant to go and get her and bring her to the castle uh, there, and uh, as she comes, he sleeps with her, she gets pregnant. In order to cover it all up, he has uh, Bathsheba's hun husband, Uriah, uh, killed, and then he uh, marries Bathsheba and takes her into uh, his family. Now, eventually, David sees what he has done wrong, 
and he asks God for forgiveness, and God forgives him. So my question to you is this. If the Bible teaches that God forgives and he forgets as if it never happened, he casts it as far as the east is from the west, and he cannot remember it, and he throws it into the sea of no remembrance, do you think that when God forgave David that he forgot that that sin ever took place? Do you think that it is a surprise to God every time he hears a message preached on the sin of David and Bathsheba that all of a sudden he remembers, oh yes, that's right, that sin actually happened, and then he forgets it again. Because if so, then you know something that God doesn't. If you know about the sin of Bathsheba, but God doesn't because he's forgiven it, then you know something that God doesn't know. Now, does that make any sense at all to anybody? I hope that uh, you realize just how silly that this can be. So then the question needs to uh, be asked, if God doesn't forget when he forgives, which obviously he doesn't do, God knows all things. He knows all sins that have ever happened, even though he still forgives uh, the sins that have been confessed to him. Then what do these verses mean about God casting our sins as far as east is from the west? And how do we respond uh, to, uh, to give forgiveness in our own life? Now, when scripture speaks about God forgetting our sins, it simply means that he knows all too well the sins that we've committed, but he does not hold those things against us. I said again, God still remembers your sin, but he does not hold it against you. He relates to us as if we had not sinned. He still knows that we've sinned. He knows that we've all fallen short. He knows specifically how we've fallen short. But he doesn't relate to us through that sin. He relates to us through Christ Jesus. So, what this means for us is that when God calls us to forgive others, he's not commanding that you never think about or remember the hurt that you've suffered. But what he's commanding you to do is not to dwell on those hurts and hold those over the people that have hurt you. He wants you to give those over to him so that those hurts, those pains, that, uh, that wound that you've suffered no longer define you and, and chart the course for your life. You are now free to live your life in peace, contentment, joy, and happiness of God, and allow God to take care of that hurt and, and righting that wrong. Now, that truth must be also be balanced with another aspect of forgiveness that we often misunderstand, and that is that forgiveness equals reconciliation. Listen, those are two very different things that, um, that have their own place in our lives when we suffer these kind of hurts. Those who are of this opinion that forgiveness equals reconciliation, um, uh, they think that oftentimes when you forgive, that means that you need to be buddy-buddy buddy, buddy again with those who have hurt you, and that things can go back to what they were before the injustice was done. Now, this misunderstanding about forgiveness leads many people to refuse to forgive. They refuse to forgive because they feel like, well, I've been hurt by this person. They've lied to me. They've hurt me. They've done these various things uh, to wrong me and wound me. If I forgive them, and that means I have to reconcile with them and I have to uh, act as though nothing has happened, then I'm just opening myself back up again to being hurt again, and I cannot do that. Now, listen, um, I don't want you to fall into this kind of mis uh, misconception. That is not what forgiveness is about. The truth is, is that forgiveness is not about freeing that other person. Forgiveness is about freeing you. I say that again. Forgiveness is not about you freeing that other person to go and hurt someone else. Forgiveness is about freeing you from the bitterness and the 
hurt and the anger that is uh, seeking to poison your heart. Okay? God's heart is inclined to forgive the entire world, and he has offered forgiveness to all those who would receive it. That does not mean that God, uh, God's relationship with everyone has been restored. Obviously, it hasn't. There are many people who reject God's uh, forgiveness that he is offering to them. And so we need to understand that while God is offering forgiveness to people, there are many people who don't reconcile with God uh, and they reject that freedom. Now, this means that uh, when God, uh, God has refused to let the injustices and the sins that have been done against him through all, throughout human history to dominate his heart and his mind. He has moved past those sins and he has extended forgiveness toward all of us. That does not mean, again, that everyone is reconciled to God. It just means that God has offered that forgiveness to all who would wish to be reconciled with him. Reconciliation um, is about the other person. Or it's kind of about both parties, really. Forgiveness is about you and freeing your heart uh, from being dominated by that bitterness and anger. Reconciliation is about bridging that gap and, and, and fixing uh, that relationship. Now, I can choose to forgive someone, but if they refuse to acknowledge and change their ways and their behavior, then I cannot be reconciled with them, even though I have forgiven them. God has decided to forgive us, but there are still millions of people, as we've already said, who reject the forgiveness and refuse to be reconciled with him. Now, this has so many practical implications for those who have suffered abuse. You need to um, forgive your abuser because that frees you from being defined by that abuse and that hurt and letting that bitterness poison your life. But you do not uh, always have to or are able to reconcile with that person for a number of reasons. Um, perhaps you've, uh, perhaps you have suffered abuse and you, um, you've been hurt by someone, but they fail to acknowledge what they've done or to change their ways. In that case, uh, you've been obedient. You've given forgiveness. You, you have released them uh, into the hands of God, but you're unable to reconcile with them because they are refusing to change their ways and to acknowledge their abuse. Or perhaps you uh, were abused uh, by a parent and your parent uh, is no longer alive. You can still forgive them even though you're not able to reconcile with them. They're no longer here. You can't fix that relationship. They've already gone on. But you can still release any of that hurt, bitterness, and anger you have towards them uh, to God. Another aspect of this is the reality consequences. Now, while God gives us, um, while God forgives us and he uh, can reconcile us to him, often our sin has consequences in this life, even after we've been forgiven, even after we've been reconciled. Um, if I'm a drunk for most of my life, then I accept God's forgiveness and he reconciles me to him. God has forgiven me. God has reconciled me. But maybe I still have liver problems for the rest of my life because of my um, sinful actions. That's a consequence of my poor choices. Uh, if my family has left me because of my drunkenness and because of the things that I've done uh in my relationships with them, uh, then I can be forgiven by God. I can be reconciled uh, with God. I can even be forgiven and reconciled uh, with my family, but there, there may still be consequences in my relationship with them. They may not 
uh, trust me, uh, there may still be some hurts and some boundaries that have to be established because of past decisions that I've done. Um, and this, we can give example uh, after example of ways that uh, people can give forgiveness and be reconciled, but there's still boundaries, there's still consequences for actions. And that's just the normal course of life uh, here in this broken world, and we need to acknowledge that and own up to that. Um, now, I want us to understand that if, if you want to know more about forgiveness, if you want to dispel a lot of the misconceptions about forgiveness, understand it more and, and uh, exercise that more in your own life, I encourage you, don't take your cues uh, about forgiveness from the world. Look to God, look to Christ, see in scripture how God forgives and use that as the template or the example of how we need to forgive in our own life. So, in closing, I just um, want to share again a few words with you. If you have suffered abuse, whether it be verbal, emotional, or, or some form of physical abuse, you need to begin the healing process. Okay? Don't put it off any longer. The more you ignore this, the more you're allowing that wound to fester, to continue to poison your relationships, your life, and your relationship with God, and just uh, your own self-worth and, uh, and the way you, you see yourself. Don't let your abuse define you, okay? Let your relationship with Christ Jesus define you. Don't um, bury it. Don't ignore it. You know, Jesus told us um, the truth will set us free, okay? The truth is what's contained in God's Word, okay? So seek out Him. Surrender your, your life, your abuse, and your abuser to Christ and begin experiencing healing today. I hope that this series has been a blessing to you. Uh, we live in a broken world where horrible things happen. Thankfully, praise God, we have a God who is transforming this world one life at a time. So I hope that you all have a great week uh, and that you strive to be his hands and his feet wherever you find yourself. So until we meet again, uh, God bless and take care.